You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Am I different? Yeah. Have I changed my pants? No. Deep down, you know you want to wear wider bottoms. You're just not secure enough to do it. Prove we're wrong. Do I do my hair with a weed whacker? I admit. Beam me up here. Do I wear skinny ties? Yeah. Now you go ahead and expel me. But you ran this place for 50 years, Democrats. And you made the IRS, FBI, Justice Department so strong, our people are afraid to death of them. Prove it, sucker. Prove it. Okay, so um, this is a real special episode for me because I am joined by Alex Hasty of the Ohio vs. the World podcast. Alex, how you doing? Bruce, good to see you. Big fan. Well, uh, you've been a listener a long time, and I'm, I'm a listener of Ohio vs. the World. Uh, one of the things that I, I tell people to listen, you know, some people might say, well, why, you know, I'm from Arizona or I'm from California. Why should I be listening to the Ohio vs. the World podcast? The one thing I'll always tell them is that Ohio is so central to the history of the United States, really yeah. across the decades, but the American West. When George Washington was thinking about the West or where he was going to purchase land or settle, you know, we're talking about Ohio. We're talking about Pennsylvania a little, but we're talking about Ohio. I'm always amazed, Alex, by the people that you talk about on your show because it just cuts across history. Yeah, I mean, we use Ohio just kind of as a jumping off point mm -hmm. for Ohio view the world, but it's really more of an American history show. So many people from Ohio either lived here, born here, grew up here, moved on to do other things. But it's so indicative of the country. It's a real microcosm. It's always the, the swing state, as they say. Um, they picked 26 of the last 28 presidents correctly. It's got that urban and rural divide that's, you know, and in, in along race lines as well. It's still really close to the national averages. Uh, and it's one of the better states to kind of get a guide as to which way the country's going to go. We say in Ohio, you know, so goes Ohio, so goes the nation. You know, 1960, they didn't get... Didn't get JFK right, but, uh, you know, it was still close there. Yeah, very close. But on other elections, you take 1960 and Woodrow Wilson, and without Ohio, he wasn't going back to the White House. Which, yeah, 1916 for sure with uh, with Evans Hughes. I mean, that was a close one. There have been, you know, Ford barely lost because he lost Ohio. We all remember staying up till four in the morning and watching Bush v. Kerry. Uh, and that coming down to, to Ohio. so Well, no doubt about it. And I, I get the, the chance then right there to make a bipartisan comment. That 2004 election, I point that out to people, that was an election where the Democrats wanted to win Ohio. And we're upset they didn't win Ohio to a point that there's a lot of recriminations about it, even like was the vote fair and all this stuff. But when you think about it, 2004 was about if Kerry won Ohio, that would have been an electoral college win. 
hoping to win Ohio to win by the Electoral College and then say that the Electoral College is part of the Constitution and I deserve the presidency and it would have been history would have been well at least what people put on blog posts would have been different maybe not history absolutely on the amount of candidates of presidents that we've had running from Ohio McKinley Garfield Hayes yeah well well We'll have to have you on next year. We're we're doing a, a 2020, our fifth season of Ohio v. the World will be all about Ohio presidents and, and different episodes. Ready for it. One of the episodes that I really liked a lot, and I like a lot of them, you did one about the guy who went to Singapore and ended up getting um, the beating. Michael Fay, the teenager. Yeah, he's caning. At the caning. Uh, that, that was a, li- a live episode we did at the was great episode. Midwest. You know, you wouldn't think, I, I got to tell my listeners, like, you wouldn't think that would be a great episode. It's not like as urbane as some of the topics that you talk about or I talk about. But I actually felt like you did a really good job with that episode explaining exactly what happened with that, that whole situation. And uh, he was from Ohio. Well, yeah, and there's some there's some diplomatic, you know, ties that Clinton tries to to get him released and, and all the the stuff with Singapore and, and the U.S. State Department. And, and ultimately, he was uh, caned. Clinton got him one less lashing. Huh. That's all the president of the United <laughs> States was able to do. Well, you know, that's, yeah. But anyway, you know, one of the uh, episodes that I really enjoyed recently and had recommended to listeners, so for those listeners who I recommended to you, maybe you already actually heard this episode, but at least you and I are going to talk a little bit and add a little bit to it, uh, was about James Traficant. He's a congressman from Ohio. And I have to give you my take on it. For me, James Traficant is just, uh, you know, this crazy guy with weird hair that used to speak up at the on C-SPAN and say, be me up Scotty all the time and cause yeah. a lot of trouble. But when I heard your audio documentary really on this i uh really enjoyed it your episode stems from uh, a documentary movie that was done maybe talk a bit about that and yeah it's uh it's by a filmmaker in los angeles originally from youngstown ohio the steel city and the rust belt that trafficant was from in northeast ohio and his movie was trafficant the congressman of crime town uh i think came out in 2015 ed o'neill uh you know al who's Al Bundy and, and it's in Modern Family, a bunch of movies. He's from Youngstown. He was an executive producer on that. But it's a great movie, and we'll link it uh, in the show notes. You can buy it for a couple of bucks, and I highly recommend it. But we interviewed Eric, um, and we had done all this trafficant research, and he was the perfect guy to talk to because his, his film, I'm telling you, it's one of the best documentaries I've seen. It really breaks down this crazy character, this wild you know pseudo populist james trafficant um and really is is indicative of some of the politics that we see now he was kind of ahead of his times when it comes to being you know outlandish and outspoken uh not just his crazy hair and and that he did have although that ended up being a wig we find out when he goes to to jail at the end his you know his mugshot he's bald that, that whole thing was a was a weave uh, but yeah, Eric Murphy, Congressman of Crime Town. I can't recommend it enough. And, and guys, you know, do yourself a favor. Go to. It's an easy thing to do. Get Eric Murphy, you know, and and get to his documentary. Uh, and we're going to hear a bit from both Alex and Eric. I'm going to share a bit of uh, from his recent podcast on this.
changing up the title today as we talk about Youngstown, Ohio Congressman James Trafficking, nine-term congressman in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s. Our guest will be filmmaker Eric Murphy. We'll talk about Trafficking's incredible life. Uh, we'll talk about Youngstown, Ohio and the rise and fall of James Trafficking all of which is portrayed in Eric's movie from 2016, The Congressman of Crime Town. There's a link in the episode description, but go buy that movie. Uh, you can rent it for just a couple of bucks on Vimeo. We changed the title around for this episode, James Trafficking vs. the World, because that's really what it was. A total maverick, a Democrat um, by name, but really was on his own side. We'll be joined again by Eric Murphy, Go buy his movie, folks, Congressman of Crime Town. You can rent it for just a couple of bucks, even. Awesome documentary from 2016. We first talked to our guest, Eric Murphy, about what Jim Trafficking meant to the Mahoning Valley, to the people of Youngstown. Ubiquitous. I, I grew up on the west side of Warren, and uh, I've said it before, around my grandmother's dinner table, there were conversations of... Jesus Christ, JFK, Jim Trafficking. <laughs> so really, as long as I can remember, Jim Trafficking has been a topic of conversation. Um, you know, politics is sport or was uh, back in the Mahoning Valley. You know, you would talk about the Cleveland Browns, the Indians, and what was happening in local politics. I just knew of him uh, certainly as like a mythical kind of Paul Bunyan, everyone I knew rooted for him guy would always see his name and, you know, some redacted cuss word and the crazy <laughs> hair. And I was just really uh, drawn to him as a character. Eric's a filmmaker in Los Angeles, but he grew up in the Mahoning Valley. And after graduating from Youngstown State, he's working and, and volunteering with Tim Ryan, who's running for state Senate. Tim's now in Congress We'll talk about him. He's in the movie. Uh, he's been Youngstown's congressman for nine terms, just as long as Jim Trafficking was. But it's those years with, with Tim and meeting Trafficking that really we talked to Eric how that became his calling to make a movie about the congressman, James Trafficking. I got, I got out of college and volunteered on Tim Ryan's state senate campaign. And that's when I really got into Jim Trafficking. And Tim worked for Jim, drove Jim to the district. And I was driving Tim around, so I was getting all of these stories kind of through Tim's eyes. And he looked up to Trafficking, and I, I knew that this was, like, my story to tell. And while Tim was running, Trafficking was up for re-election, so he would show up at, like, the Trumbull County Democratic uh, nomination and he would show up late and walk in and like smack Tim on the back of the neck and smack other guys. He would call it like a smock, you know, and he had like a 25 pound hand. He would knock your head sideways <laughs> and then he would get, get up there and give some really impassioned, but kind of nonsensical stump <laughs> speech and then like walk out and jump in his car that was idling outside. And it was just like, wow, this guy kind of walked in here like John Wayne. Jim Trafficking. In Youngstown, as a kid, he's a hero on the football field. James Trafficking is born in 1941 in Youngstown, Ohio, and he's the son of a truck driver, as he would remind people throughout his political career. James Anthony Trafficking Jr., he's, he's of Slovak and Italian ancestry. 
He goes to Cardinal Mooney, the new Catholic high school. And we talk to, to Eric about how Jim Traffigan becomes a local celebrity, even as a teenager. Yeah, so uh, in Youngstown, uh, there was one Catholic high school, which was Ursuline. And that's where everyone went. That's where Ed O'Neill went. That's where all these guys went. And then Mooney started uh, on the south side. And that's actually where my Murphy side of the family went. And Jim Trafkin was the first senior, the graduate, the first graduating class of Mooney. Jim Trafkin was the star quarterback, you know, and they would play at Ray stadium and they'd have 12,000 people there. Youngstown state the next day at, at Stanbaugh would have 1100. Right. You know, so he was a star in the community and, uh, you know, we, we included some of that in the film, and Ed tells a story, um, which we had to cut some of it out, but, you know, where he remembers being there with his father, watching Jim Trafkin drive Mooney down the field to beat his beloved Ursuline. And <laughs> so that, that turns you into a star and how we value, and I think still, but certainly then, from everything I've heard, they valued... Uh, accomplishment on, on the gridiron and in sports, and that translated over. You know, Pat Ungaro, which is one of the great mayors in Youngstown's history, was a quarterback. Tim Ryan was a star quarterback at JFK. I didn't you know, know that. A lot, if, if you can lead on the field, you can lead in politics. And, and I, but, you know, I still think people believe that back home. Following high school, traffic is recruited and goes to the University of Pittsburgh. Still a high-level football program, but back then it was even better. And there's a great story about, about a game against Notre Dame in the early 1960s, the mighty Notre Dame fighting Irish. Now Trafficken, a quarterback for the Pitt Panthers, is benched. Eric tells us this story. Uh, it's a great story about how Trafficken leads a comeback victory over Notre Dame. Yeah, yeah. So I first heard these stories from Tim as we were dri- I was driving him around, and he would say, you, you, wait, wait until you hear this. And then Anthony Trafficani would tell me, and Eddie Cox would tell me, and I'm like, wow, Ed Cox was there. You know, these guys are all telling this story. This has to be true. And so uh, Trafficant went to Pitt, and, and Pitt was a, a, a good football team back then. And he on the team was Marty Schottenheimer, who was the coach of the Browns and uh, many other teams. Oh, yeah. And Iron Mike Ditka. And Ditka, uh, as we know, is like a tough-as-nails, take-no-bullshit kind of guy. And so He's was Trafkin. Tight, tight end back then, probably. He, he was a tight end. He was an All-American tight end, absolutely. And Trafkin was the quarterback. And they were drinking buddies. And, you know, uh, D- Ditka did a eulogy uh, video for Trafkin and, and talked about all of this stuff. We've talked about Youngstown in previous episodes. Go back and listen to our episode with Jerry DePizzo of the, of the rock band OAR, another Youngstown native. And we talked about Ohio versus Hollywood, the story of the Warner Brothers, Youngstown natives. We talk about a prosperous time in Youngstown with staggeringly low unemployment, um, all the mills and steel. Youngstown built things. But we go back a little over 40 years ago to start this story of, of what's called Black Monday, September 19th, 1977. September 19th, which is the birthday of Miss Ohio v. The World, 
but in Youngstown, it's remembered as one of the darkest days. We asked Eric Murphy, what was Black Monday? And how did, and how did the, the closures seal the fate of Youngstown as, as I know it growing up? Yeah, it, it was the uh, culmination of a long period before that of tough times, but this was really kind of the death nail. Uh, I believe on Friday, Youngstown Sheet and Tube had announced record profits, and on Monday, they closed. They announced an immediate closing, and eventually, like over six months, 50,000 men lost their jobs. And we're talking in a city of 175,000. So 50,000 of those people lost their jobs, and many of them moved away. Um, it was a really horrific time, um, you know, and kind of the beginning of the end of the mighty steel industry that had defined Youngstown for generations. Um, you know, people came over from Eastern Europe and Italy – uh, to work in those mills and they didn't speak the language, but th- they could have prosperity and they could put their family in the middle class, middle class in one generation. You know, it was really uh, the forging of the American dream. And then it went away instantly, immediately. And it, it sent chaos and anxiety uh, all throughout the community, um, including my family. You know, my, my grandfather was first generation, um, and had a middle-class life, and it all all went away very fast. And unfortunately, Youngstown, uh, Warren, Trumbull County, uh, just had Black Monday 2.0. You know, General Motors uh, assembly plan in Lordstown. Yeah, they they uh, they announced record profits. Everyone's getting a bonus uh, in the corporate building, and they just closed our plan. It had been open since the '60s, and employed everyone i know has a family member that worked at general motors and it put two cars in the driveway and kids to college and tickets to baseball games and you know it's just really tragic but youngstown has also always been known for its connections to the mob we talk about in our in our episode ohio versus the mafia the danny green story about what's a what's called a youngstown tune-up it's basically just a, a car bomb and from the 1960s 70s and into the 80s as Jim Traffican becomes the sheriff of Mahoning County, Youngstown becomes known for its murder rate and its crime rate. It becomes known as Murder Town USA, Crime Town USA by the Saturday Evening Post. The city's really no longer run by the mills and the big businesses. It really becomes run by the mob. We talked to Eric Murphy about the influence and the role throughout history of organized crime in the Mahoning Valley. Much like America's uh, original sin is slavery, Youngstown's original sin is organized crime. It's been part of the fabric. And in Youngstown, there used to be enclaves around the church. So this was the Greek Orthodox, the Russian Orthodox, the Italian American, the Irish American, the Greek. And within those churches, there were mob members. And they were the ones that did the fundraisers and if you didn't have a steady job or couldn't speak the language, the bank wasn't going to give you a loan, but the mafia would. And when the mafia gives you a loan and you buy your first house by help from the local mobster, where does your allegiance lie? It lies with these guys. 
So no one ever had a problem with the mafia. And there was the, the pervasive feeling of, well, they're only killing each other. And so we kind of to back up on, so that the mafia being in the city, but the city is equidistant between Cleveland and Pittsburgh. And both factions from Cleveland and Pittsburgh were fighting always over control of Youngstown and kind of along the Mahoning river. And when the mills collapsed, you know, these mill workers made a great wage and they went to the bar on the way to work, the bar on the way home from work. They played the bug, which was like lottery. They did bookmaking. There was prostitution. So the money from the mills financed a lot of this underworld activity. And when those guys lost their money, now the mobsters had to really fight to get the money. They started fighting each other kind of over the scraps of what was left. Um, really interesting dynamic that all of that stuff kind of happened at the same time. Yeah. And that's, you know, traffic rises out of those ashes, certainly. They tried me for being crazy and I'm stone cold nuts and I'm going to say it. The mob should get out of Youngstown. James Prado should move. Naples should move. Carabia should move. Trafficant's really taken his life in his hands. He's calling out individual mob bosses by their name. He wins the election and becomes the sheriff of Mahoning Valley and begins cracking down. The tough-talking sheriff begins busting uh, organ- not just some organized crime, but just crime in general. And crime was rampant in Youngstown in the late 70s and 19, uh, early 1980. We talked to Eric about the sheriff campaign and how he wins that election. So historically, the mob always bought the sheriff. Because the mob, they did operate in Youngstown proper, but they operated in the unincorporated parts that surrounded Youngstown. Like Beaver Township. So, and that's where a lot of like Lenny Strollo's and Jimmy Prado's places were. It, it, it wasn't in Youngstown proper, so it was under the jurisdiction of the sheriff. Mm-hmm. So, if you own the sheriff, then he would turn a blind eye to your operation. And the mob was smart, and they were a well-run business. They don't want to pick a guy to bet on. They want to own all the candidates running for sheriff, so they're guaranteed to have the winner. And you saw that many times, and I believe that happened in, in Trafkin's race, where more than one candidate was was bribed and bought, and Trafkin being one of them. Uh, but he ran on an honesty in politics platform, and he was going to smash the mob. And he, previous to that, he was a drug counselor and really popular in the community, and certainly everyone remembered his football career. And he ran a grassroots campaign and got elected. If you talk to anyone from Youngstown, there's one thing they always remember about Trafficant. It's an event that really endeared him to the city. As the mills close, we talk about Black Monday back in 77, when Trafficant becomes sheriff in 81, and one of his first moves is he decides not to sign the foreclosure deeds, which is the duty of every sheriff across the state. These unemployed steel and mill workers that are being forced out of their homes Trafficant refuses to foreclose on their houses. Are you going to be thrown out of sheriff? Keep it up. 
Now, do you want to sign those deeds and do your... I'll tell you, I hate your... signing those deeds in Mahoney County. I don't I'll care. sign them if you order me. I... But I hate it because these people are losing their home. Sit up. Sign these deeds. I will not sign them until they have met the conditions of which I have stated forward in testimony before this court, Your Honor. Very well. It is therefore the sentence of this court, pursuant to law, that you as sheriff be sentenced to 10 days in the Youngstown City Jail on each of the 10 cases that were heard this day. I mean, you, you can imagine today uh, a sheriff refusing to evict out-of-work steel workers out of their home. I mean, it, it's just amazing. But it, it certainly was a bit of political theater, too. You know, sure. he knew he had a problem on the horizon. Uh, it wasn't public yet, but he knew there he was going to have a problem on the horizon. And what better way to gain the public support? And, you know, some of those people had already lost their homes. Some of them he didn't save. And ultimately, he signed the papers like 10 days later. He stood up to the judge on television uh, that was on the news live. And he went and served time in his own jail. And then the the media, which you can see how all of this kind of echoes in today's environment, right? Yeah. The media would follow him to jail. They were doing jailhouse interviews live with them. And we're back. Now let's talk a bit about some of the credibility that Trafficant had built up. First of all, he's the, the star quarterback, and that always helps in any community. But then there's that, can you believe that case where he just doesn't enforce the foreclosures? So, you know, he's the sheriff, and in every sheriff in Ohio, their job is to enforce, you know, valid foreclosures on homes. In 1977, Youngstown is at rock bottom, uh, and that's about the time Trafficant comes to power. I think all this stuff happens in maybe 81 and trafficant becomes kind of this Robin hood hero. when he says, I won't sign these things and he goes to jail. He goes to his own jail. I think there's a lot of different ways to do politics. And we talk about this figure like him. And this is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer. He hears things differently to the untrained ear. Everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. I say what I want to say. I don't care about it the consequences in fact i'm going to double down on everything i say and look i mean it's worked out for some hasn't worked out for others uh there's a there's there's kind of a long history of it but there's something else there too so you see in this trafficking example in that court case that he's building absolute credibility with his audience and his audience is going to be his future congressional constituents in the area of youngstown there's nobody watching that tv and watching him defying this judge, forcing people out of their homes, that uh, isn't going to realize that this guy's for me. Because it's real. There's a verisimilitude. There's a, what's the way that a typical politician tries to establish credibility, right? Makes a speech. Makes a good speech. Sometimes they even try to make a folksy speech or something like, one, hey, I'm with you and everything. 
But there's other ways. And this is one of the ways that a politician can connect with audience. It's like, hey, you know, this is real. Um, you know, one of the things that Eric Murphy says is he thinks he took this crazy stand and went to jail because he knew all this other bad stuff was coming down the pike. So we get back to Jim Trafficking's story. He's incredibly popular in the Mahoning Valley, but a scandal hits, and a scandal involves the mafia. There's tapes that were made by the mob, by the Carabia brothers, who taped Trafficking during his, uh, his sheriff run, and basically talking about bribes that he had taken from the mob, up to upwards of $160,000, and it's all on tape. Trafficking even, is when he's, when he's busted, he even signs a, a letter that he wrote saying that he took the money. It's an open and shut case. The problem is Trafficking has another plan up his sleeve. Yeah, so those tapes were made over uh, several different sit-downs. Um, and he's on the tapes negotiating bribes. On the tapes, he's discussing his strategy with two gangsters in case they get caught. And that plays like comedy in the theater. You know, people love it. Uh, it's like this gallows humor like can you believe so if we get it caught here's what you're gonna say these guys are killers they are killers and he drags them around by the short hairs the, those tapes are like five hours long i've yeah. listened to them from beginning to end multiple times and it is just so fascinating uh how smart he is and it's worth noting that these tapes weren't made by the fbi these tapes were made by the gangsters because they didn't trust him to keep his end of the bargain. Classic. The mafia did not trust the sheriff to keep his end of a bribe deal. Hilarious. It's a pretty Youngstown moment right there. Yeah, exactly. Trafficant's argument is really multifaceted, but mostly it's that he was running this one-man sting operation as the county sheriff to infiltrate the mob and bring them down from the inside. He also challenges, you know, the FBI about the the authenticity of those tapes. And the jury, which is partially made up, I think six or about half of the jurors, trafficking is able to get from his district, from Youngstown. That makes a huge difference in this case. We talked to Eric about Jim trafficking becoming the first person to win a RICO case against the federal government representing themselves. To the best of my research, yes. Yes. And he endeared himself. And you have to remember the entire region had been through the collapse of the steel industry. Not just Youngstown, but certainly in Cleveland, they were feeling it too. And then these Harvard-educated, uh, blue-blood, pinstripe suit uh, prosecutors are coming in, beating up on the local hero who just refused to throw people out of their homes who spent time in his own jail and he's in a corduroy suit i was scared of the fbi scared of the irs scared of the federal prosecutors in the justice department scared scared of the mob scared of everybody traffickers mobbed on the steps of the courthouse he's hugging jurors and they're crying but it cements trafficking as, as a legend not just you know around the country for what he's done but also especially in Mahoning Valley. We talked to Eric about Youngstown's reaction 
to Jim Trafficking beating the United States in the case of the United States versus James Trafficking. It probably felt to them like it felt to us watching LeBron James drive around Cleveland with the NBA trophy. Hmm. It was just like the best feeling. Your guy won. You know, I knew he didn't do it. I know Jim Trafficking. He didn't do it. Everyone I talked to, that was the feeling. Or the other feeling, which Ed conveys in the documentary, Ed O'Neill, we knew he did it. But who cares? Everybody does it. (laughs) And that's a Youngstown thing, you know. Yeah, we, we know he did it, but we don't care he did it. And we're back. So talking about the court case, and it's like, can you, you know, so this guy was being taped by the mob. Classic. I mean, so the thing about that court case, like we said, he's the only person that Eric or or I or history, I think, can find who defeated the Justice Department in a RICO case representing himself, not an attorney. But it's something that you see in the way that he's able to spin. Most people would have cut a deal immediately, done some Mm -hmm. time Mm -hmm. and walked away. But there's people like Trafficant who can just double down, who can just never – ever admit that they're wrong uh even when they know that that they did this even when they know that the evidence against them is so overwhelming you know like george costanza said it's not a lie if you believe it uh from (laughs) seinfeld so and really that's how trafficking operated and when you have hardcore believers like like he did uh you're able to to get a jury in his hometown to to acquit him Trafficking goes back to being sheriff and fighting the mafia. And in 1984, runs for Congress and wins. He's a Democratic candidate, and he's victorious. He becomes a congressman, he goes to Washington, D.C. And this is where his legend really grows nationally. I mean, you got to see the way he dresses, his hair is like as crazy as Trump's. Uh, He wears, you know, bell bottoms and skinny ties. He uses, you know, profanity. He's not making any friends. All he cares about is his district, his people of Youngstown. He doesn't, and he doesn't care how he gets them results and federal funding, who he steps on, the enemies he makes, and he makes plenty of them. Trafficking becomes a star on the cable channel C-SPAN, the government channel that just, you know, runs the house and, and Senate, you know, proceedings all day long. And he had a catchphrase. It was, beam me up. Beam me up, Mr. Speaker. Well, I, w- I will say that if Jim Trafkin was in today's Twitter, Facebook, viral video uh, world, he would lead the news every night. You know, um, he was the Lenny Bruce of Congress, and he found a loophole in the bylaws that every member was afforded one minute every day to say anything they want, <laughs> and. Most people don't know that as a member of Congress uh, on the House floor, you are protected from libel, slander. You can say anything you want. And he did that. So he would pick a topic and he would sketch out a little idea and go down and deliver it. And he would punctuate it with, uh, Mr. Speaker, I yield back the fact, you know, 
Um, and he would call members of Congress, um, you know, they should see a proctologist to get their head examined. Just a million funny one-liners. And then he would punctuate it with, uh, beam me up. And that was his call to Star Trek. Beam me up. There's no intelligent life down here. And after years of studies and reports, and after hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars, the Department of Agriculture has come to several conclusions. Number one, big farm animals produce more manure than small farm animals. And number two, manure stinks. Beam me up, Mr. Speaker. $200 million to determine that manure stinks. I think these environmentalists over the Department of Agriculture have been smelling too many methane fumes. Why not just let the chips fall where they may? Stockpile a little bit and tell these monarchs and dictators overseas they keep jacking around with oil prices. We're going to turn Elsie loose. Yield back the balance of this Some of that with trafficking, it's so much of it is show. Um, and really, you know, it's just two guys. You look at the way Trump operated in New York and the way that, you know, trafficking operated in a city like Youngstown, that those are two guys that operated in their hometowns differently than you can operate when you're an elected official. But they never let that their past uh, go. The one thing you have to say is, look, Trump didn't sit there and watch a video of trafficking. I, I don't think that happened. I don't. I, I I don't think that at all. So they're both like different characters, and you could bring Agnew into the equation. You know, on sure. on the show in the past, I've I've brought up Huey Long uh, in terms of figures. And I agree with you. Trump never was probably really even aware of trafficking or his career. But I mean, not a lot of people are not. But their similarities are are pretty striking, even though they're twenty thirty years apart. They stay the same people. They never. You always wait for. Yeah, and I think to to turn a corner and, and turn a new leaf, but but he never does. He is who he is, and he's never going to change. Yeah, and I think that's the interesting side of it. I think that some people need to understand it better of what what may be going on now is that you know a why does somebody support a politician? And it's not the re- always the reasons we think. Yes, there's a certain amount of people. There's a, gr- a great number of people that vote by party. Uh, there are other yeah. people that vote because of an issue. Maybe not other people vote because their union steward told them or people that vote because their 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 wife or their brother in law told them to do something or, you know, or they feel like they'll be cool if they vote for a certain person. That happens as well. Uh, I have known people to vote by how people dress in some cases, you know. Trafficant was not a good dresser. He was ranked the that wouldn't be. Yeah, that wouldn't be the one. He was ranked the worst, the worst dresser on Capitol Hill during his years there. But I think there's also this way of establishing uh, some kind of like heuristic credibility, which is kind of like, hey, the guy didn't have to tell me anything and I know. And I think yep. you see a similar thing. So the, so what, uh, you know, if you're looking at Trump, if the base there is looking at like, you hear it all the time. Look, he's not a politician. And the evidence of it is so real on the TV screen because he says things that other politicians wouldn't say. Like, in other words, he, in quotes, messes up all the time. Mm-hmm. But that's exactly what's fueling some of the support. Yeah, I mean, Trafficant shows you, like, an early version of some, because he's just kind of saying 
this crazy stuff. On the other hand, it's also this, why did he remain there? Right. You talk about how many times he got reelected. He remained there because there was credibility. Yeah. And I mean, in Youngstown, when he is removed, uh, when he's removed from from the house, that's in the summer. And I was at those those hearings as a kid, um, as a college kid, I guess. But he actually still runs from a jail. He's in jail in November. <laughs> He's mm-hmm. still running. Tim Ryan, who's a presidential candidate or still is, yeah. um, he, he actually wins and has been that seat. He's an old trafficant uh, legislative aide. Uh, but trafficant runs from jail, and, and that base is 15%. He gets 15% of the vote. Hey, we got to talk about the check story. I mean, we're going to hear from the uh, documentary. We just heard about that. I mean, what do you think about that? The story about the check. I mean, it's one of my it's one of my favorites, and it's that was a question I asked Eric uh, about his movie. You know, he's working on this movie for years about trafficking, and I said, "Well, what's a, a story that, that you weren't able to put in the movie?" And he says, "You know, trafficking goes to this union hall, and and you know, we'll hear the clip." But I believe in Mansfield to like a farmer's union or some kind of union. And they were giving him a, a pack check for like $10,000 and they pull in his driver pulls in and they go in the back, the pipe and drape, they come through and he gets up and uh, the union president presents him with like this oversized check and the photo op and the, the room is packed you know, traffickers at his peak popularity. He's getting elected with ninety percent of the vote. You know, and uh, he said, "You guys are out of work. You're on tough times, and I appreciate this money you're going to get give me, but I refuse to take this money. Uh, I want them to split this check amongst the most needy of you." I'm Jane Perlez longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-Off launches April 9th. Crowd goes bananas. <laughs> trafficking, trafficking. They walk, walk out the pipe and drape in the back, the little kitchen of the union hall. And uh, he goes to the, the union boss, give me the check. Grabs the check, gets in his car, and drives away. And I think that illustrates it beautifully. Like 700 people saw him give the money back, and two people saw him take it. Believe it or not, I have a trafficking story. Now, it's not personal experience, but I, I, I read a lot of books. I go to the library a lot, whatever. And there's this book called Hill Rat about this guy in the 80s. 
as a, a congressional aide. And unfortunately, he had to work for trafficking for nice. some time. <laughs> and uh, so there's a bill that's going through the House and trafficking just goes up to him. And it's like, how does it go? And the aide's like, oh, I, I, I'm doing pretty well. No, you. And you can imagine the string of expletives that he heard. How is the bill going? <laughs> he didn't work for him for very long. He had to be tough to work for. I mean, one of the reasons he got expelled is he was having his employees had to give him kickbacks from their congressional checks, their pay, their payroll back to him for the honor of working in his office. They'd had to do work at his farm outside Youngstown. Jim Trafficking goes to, to goes to Washington. And although he's a Democrat, you can never really know what his vote's going to be. And he'd leverage that, that kind of mystery, that's, that independent streak. Sometimes voting for Republicans if they could give him what he wants for the Mahoning Valley. Sometimes, and most times, voting with the Democrats. But always concerned about how something would affect Youngstown. The takeover of the auto industry by the Japanese company Honda and Nissan, Toyota, in the 1980s, was always something that he railed against. And really any kind of law, NAFTA, another one, any of these laws that, that would hurt jobs of the, of the industry in Youngstown. We talked to Eric Murphy after we hear a clip of him on the floor the bottom line is, we have a crisis ahead that'll make the 29 crash look like a fender bender. And for all those who keep making light of it, in about 10 years, you try and eat your Toyota. Trafficant's Japan bashing has made him a hero in Youngstown. Obviously you care. You think the country cares? You think the country gives a damn about the Youngstowns? What happened in Youngstown will happen everywhere else if there isn't a trade program developed in America. Well, I guess the best way to use the system is to get in there and elevate yourself and play nice and have a, a lot of uh, allies in Congress, other members of Congress, right. and senators. He, he didn't take that approach. So he was a one-man gang, and he would try to leverage the system in that way. So he would try to blow up something in committee if the Democrats were bringing it and they needed his vote, um, he would hold them hostage and say, well, I'm, I'm not going to vote for that. I do need a courthouse. And that's back when earmarks and kind of brick and mortar give, giveaways were kind of how Congress ran, you know, mm -hmm. the Jack Murtha kind of Congress. And so he, we have two federal courthouses. He got, you know, 30 million bucks or so for the Cavelli Center, which he was dead right about. I mean, you know, he, he was spot on about getting that money back there and trying to revitalize downtown Youngstown with it. Um, you know, but it was all like he was a punch you in the mouth guy, you know, and he would try to blow up a system when he voted it for Denny Hastert, that kind of sealed his fate. You know, you can't vote for the, the Republican speaker when you're a Democrat. I, William Jefferson Clinton, do solemnly swear that I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States. That I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States. Preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. Preserve, 
protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. So help me God. So help me God. Congratulations. Trafficking lived a lot of his time in D.C. on a houseboat in the Potomac. The IRS did finally sue him and did beat him um, for the, that $160,000 for not reporting it on his taxes. The money he took in the sting operation back in the early 80s. So his check as a congressman was always garnished. A congressman whose paycheck was garnished by the IRS. Trafficking always hated the IRS for that. In 1992, there's a political sea change. Out of nowhere, the Democratic nominee Bill Clinton, governor of Arkansas, becomes president. Trafficking would always have a very complicated relationship with Clinton, but he would campaign for him in 1992. There's some great video in Eric's movie of of, of uh, Clinton and Gore coming to the to the Southern Mall, Southern Park Mall there in, in Boardman. And, you know, tens of thousands of people showing up in trafficking, giving his full support, but he wanted something in return. We talk with with Eric about his relationship with President Clinton. It was very complicated. Um, and, you know, Clinton was pushing through NAFTA. Trafficant was vehemently against NAFTA. Um, and certainly NAFTA has decimated the industrial Midwest and uh, really decimated Ohio uh, in the manufacturing sectors anyway. Um, and we see that echoing now with Black Monday 2.0 with General Motors pulling out. Um, those are still the effects of that. So Trafficant was opposed or opposite with him on a lot of policy stuff. Um, but he campaigned for him very hard for president. Trafficant was extremely popular in 1992. So having his endorsement and getting on stage and holding uh, Bill Clinton's hand in front of 25,000 people did a lot for Bill Clinton. And historically, you have to come out of the Mahoning Valley at 75% uh, as a Democrat to win the state. And he delivered for for Clinton Gore uh, with the promise of getting a defense accounting center. And uh, they got in there and they started doing politics and they they lied to him. Proof is I have friends who work at that DFAS facility here in Columbus and not in yeah. Youngstown. And that's where it went. And those are really good jobs. And you build a feeder system out of your college. Youngstown State has a good accounting school. They had it all set up, and it would have really helped stabilize our economy for generations. And uh, and he knew it was a big deal. You know, Trafficant was a blowhard and a loudmouth, but he was a really smart guy, and he was really well-read, and he, he knew the impact of this stuff. And, um, you know, he, he was a legislator. He, he knew how to get stuff done. And uh, he knew it was going to be terrible, and it was. And uh, so that really turned them. So Trafficant just went after Clinton, you know, uh, House floor, anywhere he could. Clinton gives that Defense Accounting Center to Columbus. It's over on the east side, over by Whitehall. And it's Senator John Glenn who wrestles it away from Trafficant. John Glenn, who one of the greatest Americans of all time, will be a subject of an episode of the late Senator John Glenn. But Trafficant is just beside himself. He's betrayed by Clinton, but he keeps working the system. And when Clinton comes back in 96, Trafficant gives it to him on stage, berating him. But Trafficant keeps working. He secures a major funding source that is still used today in Youngstown. Yeah, he, he got uh, airplanes for our air base uh, that are still in use. 
um, tens of millions, hundred millions of dollars with these uh, C-130s um, that are still operational. And that work has allowed Tim Ryan to build upon that. And Tim's on defense appropriations and able to get money back into the area because trafficking saved the airbase initially. Think about it. After our taxpayers are hit with unnecessary tax bills, heavy enough to cause a hernia for the jolly green giant, they're told, if you don't like it, sue us. This isn't hearsay. This isn't rumor. This is an exact quote of an IRS agent who also said, beware, Congress. The IRS will tell you these are isolated incidents. That's not true. This is, in fact, standard policy. Beam me up. I say it's time for Congress to shove these illegal tactics right up the assets of the IRS. The IRS has been created by Congress. Congress caused this problem. Congress must solve this problem. And Congress must change the burden of proof in a tax case or else the IRS will keep saying, prove it, sucker. Prove it. Prove we're wrong. I yield back all the balance of these illegal tactics. Gentlemen's time has expired. Um, and if you publicly embarrass them and rub their nose in it the way he did, I, I'm positive there were hard feelings. Um, however, uh, in addition to that, I don't think they had to make anything up when they came after him. <laughs> Talk a bit about uh, Bill Clinton and James Traficant. Started out good relationship. So, you know... Clinton wins Ohio in 92. It's a huge coup for him. And Trafficant gets out the vote. Trafficant stumps for him and in, in, him and Gore in 92. There's huge rallies and Eric's movie, you know, come 96, <laughs> Trafficant's on the stump for him again. And but he's not talking as nice about him. He's really using it more as a platform to call the president out. Uh, at one point, they're in the, the limo together. And Clinton, actually, they get into an argument. Clinton stops, and they kick Trafficant out of the limo in Youngstown. <laughs> oh, they just man. say, get out. You oh, know, man. So they had a really complicated relationship. <laughs> uh, he does vote against impeachment again. Um, he did, okay. You know, he, somebody who just didn't believe in, in government overstepping, he found it to be you know silly that they mm. were impeaching the president for this. But again, he votes for Dennis Hastert at the end of Clinton's presidency huh. to be speaker. The federal government, after a two-month trial in April of 2002, convicts Jim Trafficant. He had turned down a plea deal of two years, and it's now that he will be a convicted felon. It'll go to a House vote in the summer of 2002 before the Ethics Committee and then before the full House to remove Jim Trafficant from Congress. that summer of 2002 that I was in D.C., the same summer as the traffic and expulsion hearings. He goes before the Ethics Committee, and on that first day, there's so many headlines and and laughs, and, and some people that I lived, uh, lived near told me just how much fun they had. So the next day, I go, and I wait outside, and I'm in there for the afternoon hearing. We play you a few clips. Trafficking is, is not holding back. He knows he's done, and he wants to go down... Trying to make people laugh, I guess. I don't, I don't know. It was weird. Um, but as a 20-year-old kid, I was laughing uh, at a lot of his childish childish jokes. 
Here's him talking about the prosecutor sitting across the table from him, giving testimony about his conviction. Um, I want you to disregard all of the opposing counsel has said. I think they're delusionary. I think they've had something funny for lunch in their meal. I think they should be handcuffed to a chain link fence, flogged, and all of their hearsay evidence should be thrown the hell out. And if they lie again, I'm going to go over and kick them in a crotch. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Trafficant. Mr. Lewis? Nothing further, Mr. Chairman. And Congressman Jim Trafficant, one of only two House members to be expelled, I'm not counting some members that were thrown out because of their allegiances to the Confederacy. It goes to a vote before the House. We play you just a brief, uh, the end of his, what would be his farewell address. I think as a member of Congress, I want you to just think of this. There may come a time where you might get targeted. You know what I was told? Watch what you say. You're too outspoken. Watch what you say. Shut up about the Reno case. I'm not going to shut up. Gentleman has expired. I want your vote. Because I think my vote is your vote. And my people elected me, and I don't think you should take their representative away. And as we said, he was voted out 420 to 1. That one vote was from Republican, or I'm sorry, from California Representative Gary Condit, who was under investigation for the death of one of his interns, Chandra Levy, found in Rock Creek Park that summer, and who said that Condit had, had an inappropriate relationship with her. So the one vote he gets is Gary Condit. What the heck is up with Gary Condit? <laughs> so Gary Condit's a Democratic congressman from California. Uh, it was a pretty crazy summer that I spent in D.C. He was – trafficking gets voted out 420 to 1. Um, the only vote for him is Gary Condit. And Condit is going through an investigation for the death of one of his interns – uh, legislative aides, Chandra Levy, which you might remember that. Oh, I remember it. Yeah, I remember it well. Yeah, there's nothing else on the news in 2001 up until, and it went all the way to 9-11. Yeah. Uh, it went all the way to 9-11 and then 9-11. And then, uh, and then it was, of course, wiped off the news. Um, but yeah, he was still in trouble for it after that, but it was, uh, yeah, so they do that investigation, and they realize Condit had an extramarital affair with this girl. He becomes their number one suspect. And in the heat of that investigation, um, he votes for trafficking, basically this <laughs> vote for you know, false accusations and uh, you know, brothers of, of you know, people that are being smeared and, and set up. By the way, I don't think a lot of people know this, the, the case against – the person that was convicted in the end for yep. the Levy case has been that case was thrown out. The park, the park killer, like they they could not. They found that that was faulty evidence, and they actually did not. So there's still like an open. There's all these open questions about him. But I know this isn't a cast about Condit. I just I just couldn't resist that because that to me that vote spoke a lot to me. So it's a little side note. Yeah, still unsolved. Jim Trafficking does seven years in prison. We talked to Eric a lot about it. He talks about it in the movie, and you can learn about some of the crazy stuff that happens to him from jail. He runs for Congress in 2002 from jail. Picks up you know, 15, 16% of the vote from behind bars. But when he, get, when he gets out in 2010, that's when Eric begins making his movie. He's, you know, almost, he basically becomes a member of the Tea Party. It's the same summer of the Tea Party movement 
He's going to run for Congress yet again as a convicted felon. Although he was a Democrat his entire career, we talked to, to Eric about some of those similarities between Trump and trafficking, this modern populist appeal that each of them had. You know, we saw what happened in Mahoning County and Trumbull County in the 2016 presidential election. A lot of those old trafficking voters uh, voted for Trump. Mm-hmm. You know, they crossed over and, and voted for Trump. Uh, Trumbull County actually went Republican for the first time, I mean, I think 80 years or something like that. And, and Mahoning County barely went uh, Democrat, you know, and it used to be 75%, 78% Democratic uh, with Jim Trafkin being the Democratic congressman for almost 20 years and getting 91% of the vote one election. I mean, Alex, I got to ask you this, because I know I gave you the show. I mean, for me, Trafficant was just this crazy guy talking. It seems like maybe maybe you like him a little. Oh, absolutely. I I liked Trafficant when I saw him in those hearings. He's so Youngstown, Ohio. Um, there's It's a different type of people. It's a proud people up in Cleveland in the Youngstown area. Mm-hmm. You're, you're rooting for him. Um, but a lot of times, you know, like I said earlier, you're rooting for him to change. You're rooting for mm-hmm. him to be the best version mm-hmm. of Jim Trafficant, the person that you have in your mind that can that can be this transformational, you know, transformative politician who says what what he's thinking and wants to protect American workers and do all the right things. I like him, but he's so flawed that ultimately he just can't get out of his I, own way. I mean, I guess the whole thing here, and part of the reason I'm even running this thing on, on, on trafficking, we want to find that balance. There's something entertaining. There's something good about saying what you feel. There's something good about being authentic, right, in politics. Yeah. But I often don't find I'm engendered a lot uh, or I'm endeared a lot to the people that, that do this particular practice. But I think there could just be a good mix Maybe somebody who's a little gets a little bit of this, a little bit authentic, but also maybe, you know, thinks about issues, too, or has some good plans. It doesn't just kind of go crazy or into some like kind of like I want to get my friend's jobs or I want to just run the world kind of thing. Maybe, you know, all politicians will be a little more a little more expressive, a little more. Hey, you're seeing the real me. Um, like Connor 88, when they, the camera, you know, accidentally films them, you know, things like this, but it's, uh, you know, that's just, just what I get out of it. You know? It's- yeah, I agree. I completely agree. And you don't want a, a robotic president. You know, you had Mitt Romney who had ran in, in 2012, got a oh, lot of that, Lord. that he was, he wouldn't go outside. He wouldn't be real. John Kerry ran into some of that. Uh, Romney um, and Dukakis would have been the same president. Sure. Sure. It, but you want somebody who's who's real and authentic, and Jim Trafficant certainly, certainly was. <laughs> no doubt. Talk again about Eric's uh, movie. Let's go. Everyone who's listening, got to check it out. Yeah, Eric Murphy, 2015, the congressman of Crime Town. And we'll put the link to his, his Vimeo website. Obviously, you can get it uh, on Amazon or anything like that. Um, but it's got so many great uh, interviews and clips and all that stuff. It's it's one of the best political documentaries, really overlooked. I mean, here in Ohio, it got a lot of play. Um, but this is a movie that should have been in more film festivals. It's really well done. And again, we'll put the link in the uh, in the show notes and 
and share it online. But Trafficant, the congressman of Crime Town. Alex, it was a pleasure having you on. Thanks so much for coming on. Definitely. We'll we'll catch up with you uh, next year. We're going to talk some uh, Ohio presidential history. In addition to checking out Eric Murphy's movie, we've got to also check out Ohio vs. the World podcast. Highly endorsed. We all know how important it is to keep your eye on the money, and not just your own. Stay on top of the latest financial and market news with Yahoo Finance, a podcast that releases new episodes almost every day. You'll hear a brief overview of the biggest news in the financial world, all in three minutes or less, right after markets close. Check out Yahoo Finance wherever you get your podcasts. That's Yahoo Finance wherever you get your podcasts.